The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to Trouble Tuesdays tonight on Passion, the night I reserve to answer all of your questions. Although there is one issue I wanted to bring up. I talked about it, and maybe you heard it, maybe you missed it, uh, with Natasha Hall this afternoon. And we were talking about what to do when your kids walk in on you having sex. And it was uh, brought about because Kelly Ripa and her husband, I guess they were co-hosting their show, and they were talking about their daughter, but who's 18, mind you, uh, who uh, who walked in on them. And it was a, actually a really funny uh, little clip. But it brought about the whole discussion about what if your, your kids walk in on you, no matter the age. And I'm sure this has happened uh, to a lot of you. Has it ever happened to you? And how did you handle it? Let's talk about this for uh, for a moment. But I want to hear uh, some of your thoughts on that at 514-800. Or you can call in at 514-790-0800. Maybe I can give some advice too to, uh, to parents. It's, it's very difficult for many of us to relax and enjoy the moment when we have an ear out constantly listening for little, you know, pitter-patter of feet coming to the door. Put a lock on your bedroom door, folks. Put a lock on it. A lot of people balk at that and they say, no, no, I can't leave my door locked. Don't leave it locked. Just lock it for the time that you're busy and unlock it when you're done. But at least you will have some peace of mind that your kids aren't going to, uh, to barge in on that. But let's just say that's preventative, but this already could have happened to you. What if it happens? Uh, what do you do in a situation like this? First of all, the kids could might be a little bit frightened, but they might have also not seen as much as you think they have. And if they're really young, they have no idea what's going on. Like they, you know, you can you pretty much say anything when they're really young. But once they know about the birds and the bees, at some point uh, you want to bring up the subject, but you have to do it in a calm way. I know it's hard when you've been like uh, caught in the act, let's say. You don't want to shout. You don't want to embarrass the child, make the child, like how you react is uh, really important. You don't want to make the child feel like they did anything wrong. And by being too embarrassed, you might give them the um, message that sex is shameful, which again, you don't, you don't want kids growing up thinking sex is is shameful. You don't need to explain the whole thing from bottom to top. Like you use simple age appropriate language, uh, which is important. And it's, and for them to know that it's perfectly normal for adults. Like this is what all mommies and daddies, uh, do. This is, it's just factual. It's plain. Uh, the language is plain and most importantly, when you say this, you have to be relaxed. So you may have to gain your composure, uh, a little bit, right? Uh, so, and if your kids are a little older and they've already had the birds and the bees, uh, talk, like you've already been discussing sexuality, you can follow it up after the fact, not on the moment, but you can go into their room and, you know, you can say, remember when we talked about the birds and the bees and, um, what sex was and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and just 
letting the kid know that they did nothing wrong and that it's perfectly uh, normal. And and of course, you can talk about respecting privacy. And believe me, after they walk in and they they feel embarrassed by it, they're much less likely to barge in after that. But uh, I don't think too many a kid has been completely traumatized either. So no need to uh, no need to worry. But I'd love to hear some of your thoughts if this has ever happened to you and how you handled it or any measures that you've taken as well. Uh, Texter writes, I have a weird question. Why is it that after I orgasm, I find that I have to pee for the next three hours at least, almost every 20 minutes? It bothers me because it cuts into my sleep and cuts my want to do anything sexual at night to a bare minimum. Um, It's hard to answer that question uh, except for... Uh, obviously the bladder is involved in this, uh, I'm trying to think like physiologically the, the arousal brings more blood flow to that area. Um, you should be urinating after sex. It, it flushes out, uh, any, anything there and it's helpful. So for, especially for women who are prone to infections, but I'm not sure what it's doing to your bladder exactly. It might be something that you want to talk to uh, your doctor about. And they may even do like an ultrasound to see if uh, all is good. Maybe um, right off the bat, can't think of what it could be. I'll have to look into it maybe a little uh, a little more. Actually, we have our vagina dialogue is uh, coming up on th- I believe on Thursday night. So maybe I'll ask the experts that are there to see. Our our pelvic floor physiotherapist may be able to answer that question. So tune in then and see. Another question, how do I know if my man is cheating on me? So I don't have much information to go on. So there's no like definitive way to know for sure, unless, of course, uh, you've seen it with your own eyes or uh, you found incriminating emails or texts like that are sexual in nature uh, to someone other than you, to someone else. So there are signs that you could look for, but remember that it's not like one behavior or one change behavior that will indicate infidelity, but more a collection of them. So also I would say, what does your gut tell you? Uh, And the reason I ask this like I've spoken to private investigators and what's interesting is when your gut tells you something is going on, you go the distance and you hire a private investigator. They have told me that nine times out of 10, maybe nine and a half times out of 10, they find something. So your gut obviously uh, matters, but you have to determine whether it's your gut or your insecurities speaking with all of this. So here's a list. I'll give you a few clues that you can think about. It's not uh, complete list, and maybe you can, you guys can add uh, add to what I'm going to say. But some of the telltale things is a change in behavior. So maybe in the past your partner wasn't so attached to their phone, and now they take their phone everywhere they go, including the bathroom, like they're never without their phone and they start to put their phone face down. So if they do get a text, for example, you won't be, uh, seeing it. Have there been changes in mood, changes in grooming habits? Are they suddenly taking 
um, having a lot of meetings in the evening or taking more trips, for example? Uh, do they have a sudden interest in uh, working out? Again, it's not that one thing. Just because your partner, that may be the the only thing they're exhibiting, like suddenly they want to join the gym, that isn't an, an indication all alone of infidelity. It's all the other stuff. Uh, do they pay more attention to the way um, they look? Uh, what about how you reach them? Are there times when your partner is unreachable? Do they Have they changed all their passwords on their um, devices? So how secretive are they with their computer use or, or their phone use? Are you communicating a lot less than you were before? Has the sex changed? In other words, is there much less or much more than uh, than before? And usually people talk to me about some circumstantial evidence that they find as well. So um, all of those things combined could give you an indicator. If anybody wants to add anything more, I'd love to hear it at 514 800. Uh, coming up, a question uh, from a 58-year-old male about masturbation. That's uh, coming up. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. On the issue of uh, signs of cheating, a texter writes in, don't forget changes in personal grooming. Yeah, that's a, a big one too if that comes out of, uh, out of nowhere. All right, here's a question I got by email, which you can send to me, by the way, lori at drlori.com or just go to drlori.com and uh, you can fill out the form there and send in your questions and tune in at the beginning of every show where I get uh, have your questions answered. Uh, hello, doctor. I'm 58-year-old male in good health. I tend to watch a lot of porn. It's my form of entertainment. Of course, I masturbate when I'm watching porn. The problem is, since I've been doing this for many years, the only way I can have an orgasm is by myself. I've tried many times to have orgasms with sexual partners, but I almost get there, but not quite. In long-term relationships, I can come, but even when, even then it takes some time. And I have to imagine a porn scene in order to do so. Uh, some sexual partners see this as a lack of interest, or you're not fully attracted to them, they feel you are robbing them of that experience. So this is truly a problem for me as I would like to walk away from a great uh, sexual experience satisfied, but I never feel that way. I am currently single and have no plans to engage in another long-term relationship, so I really need help with this. Uh, all right, you're not going to want to uh, hear this, but the only way to start having orgasms with partners is is to quit masturbation and porn completely. Go completely off of it. Uh, you need to rewire your brain to some degree um, so that you find your partner and the sex as arousing as the sex that you watch in porn. It's doing something to your brain over time. It's the and uh, like a human and the actions with one human can't, provide that level of 
uh, visual stimulation that you've gotten yourself used to. And your body needs to get used to different forms of stimulation um, besides your own hand. So that's the best advice I have is cold turkey. Get off porn. Stop masturbating. Uh, Texter writes, from a personal experience, I find cheating partners tend to gravitate from either extreme of either wanting to be more sexually active than usual or having little to no interest at all. Yes, that's exactly it. But there's a shift, right, from uh, too too little or too much. Uh, And it's a difference in what, like you'll notice the difference in that uh, behavior. But you're right, that is uh, one of the telltale signs as well. I mean, it's not the only sign. Remember, you've got to kind of have uh, several of these together. Uh, hi, Dr. Laura. You always say to go to a therapist alone if your wife won't go. You say take care of yourself. Where do men go? It seems like the system is set up for women. What does a guy do? The I don't understand what you mean by the system is set up for women. There's uh, plenty of, first of all, there's private therapists. So if you have health insurance, I suggest you, uh, like private health insurance, not the RAMQ, uh, that you uh, seek out a private therapist, depending on what the issue is and, and what have you. You can go to the uh, Ordre des Psychologues du Québec website, so the, the psycho- psychological order, and you'll find a therapist in your area and you'll know what they charge, call them, find out where they are, what their availabilities are, the kind of of approaches they use. You can tell them a little bit about the problem uh, that you're seeking help for and see if it's a a good fit, if you get a good feeling. Uh, So that's the private sector. The public sector is a little bit more difficult to get an appointment, unfortunately. So you would have to go through a CLSC. Uh, to see if you can get an appointment or your uh, your hospital that uh, serves your area, but you may end up on a on a waiting list for that. There is uh, there there's a place called the Argyle Institute which offers uh, services therapeutic services on a sliding fee scale, meaning that uh, they'll see how much you earn, and then there's a, some kind of formula to figure out what you should. Uh, what you should be paying. So there are options out there uh, equally for men as for women. In my practice, I see 50-50 men, just as many men as women and sometimes more men uh, than women. Another one, another sign of infidelity, being excessively annoyed and or impatient with their partner could also be another sign they may be cheating as well. Well, it's certainly a sign that they're unhappy or that something is uh, is going on, and something is going on possibly within the relationship. But that alone, if you add that to the personal grooming, and if you add that to the extremes in behavior, and if you add that to the secrecy with phone use, then you know you get you get a bit of a a picture there where it could uh, it could possibly be that. Yeah, if you uh, want to contribute, please do at five one four eight hundred. I was circumcised when I was 12. I have heard that the head of the penis can lose sensitivity due to circumcision. Is this true? If so, is there a surgery to reverse my circumcision or is there something similar? 
So the bottom line with this is I've, I've done quite a bit of reading on the studies, uh, looking at uh, circumcision and, and sensitivity. And basically the science by and large does not support the hypothesis that circumcision impairs men's sexual functioning. There was a huge study done on this in Kenya uh, to, of men who uh, needed to be circumcised later in life. In in those parts, in some parts of the world, circumcision is done to prevent uh, the spread of HIV. And so this is a study based on that. So they were able to look at the before and after. And by the way, the research shows clearly that um, as more and more men were being circumcised, the rates of HIV uh, did go down. So they followed these guys at, uh, at different intervals after their circumcision, and, and there was a lot of them, and they did not find any significant differences in terms of pleasure uh, or, uh, or sexual functioning. There's a good article written by my colleague, uh, Dr. Michael Castleman, in Psychology Today. So if you look him up, uh, he goes through every study all the large scale studies that were done looking at this, uh, this problem. It's, it's really good if you're interested in knowing like where those studies come from and you want the actual sources. I, I know some people uh, like to have the sources cause I don't often tell you what the sources are, but I could tell you where to get them. Uh, someone else. Uh, okay. Another, another tip for a cheating spouse, uh, canceling, and or postponing plans as well as apparent changes in their regular and or sleep schedule could also be a sign of cheating. Uh, yes, that's, uh, that's true. If you wake up in the middle of the night often and your partner is at the computer, for example, that could very well be something that is, uh, that may be going on. So, uh, that's, that's one thing. 514-800. If you have any questions about sex, love relationships, you want to talk something out or you want to tell, uh, share some of the signs that I, that I didn't mention in terms of, uh, cheating that you may have noticed or found yourself that you want to add to, uh, to the mix here or answer the question. Have your kids ever caught you in the act, like come into your uh, bedroom and how did you handle this? Uh, texter writes, I can't seem to reach an orgasm using a condom with my wife. I always have to finish using masturbation. Uh, you may want to explore all the different condoms that are out there. Uh, be, I mean, there are some that are so thin that, uh, really they, they've come a long way condoms. Like there are hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of condoms out there. So you may want to experiment with different ones to see which ones, uh, provide, uh, provide more pleasure for you. Um, I mean, it can, it can happen that there's a little bit less, uh, sensitivity. Um, what about, uh, does your wife help you, uh, orgasm at, at the end of that? Or do you, with the con, without the condom, it's not a problem. I'm just trying to gauge also in terms of the level of the sensation that you need. So like I was telling the earlier, the 58 year old guy who spends a lot of time watching porn and masturbating, he got so used to his own hand that he can't ever finish condom or no condom, uh, with, uh, with a partner. 
another one too. I've been masturbating since I was 14 and the porn I watched was pretty tame. But the older I got, the stuff I watched changed into fetishes I would never tell anybody, not even my partner, although my partner knows I watch porn. I feel ashamed after I watch, but it doesn't change. Why do I feel bad? Should I tell my partner? Uh, so lots of people have fetishes, by the way, as long as you're watching stuff that is legal, that doesn't harm anyone, uh, then it might just be part of your sexuality and really nothing to be ashamed of unless it starts interfering in your life. But I would ask you the question, how important are these fetishes to you without knowing what they are, by the way, you, you've given me very little information about this. Like, do you absolutely need the fetish to get turned on? Does it interfere with the enjoyment you get with your partner? And before you tell your partner about your fetish, which again, I don't know how extreme it is in terms of the nature of the fetish. I have no idea, but you may want to find out how she reacts by talking to her generally um, about different fetishes without specifically sharing your own. If she reacts with shock or disgust or anything like that, well, you might have to, uh, <laughs> you might not want to tell her and you might need to decide how important that fetish is to you. If it's a fetish that you want to incorporate into your sex life with a partner, in other words, one that you cannot live without, and there have been plenty of people who cannot live without particular preferences, sexual preferences, uh, then you're going to need to be with a partner who is uh, okay with it, bottom line. So, uh, Coming up, talking about uh, sexual self-esteem, a couple of texts. I, we talked about this last night, but uh, got a, a couple more on the subject today, so we'll address that coming up. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. A couple of comments and uh, questions about self-esteem that have come in. So uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, where I answered a question about uh, low self-esteem. And this person wrote in uh, interesting text about body image as I still suffer from it in my 30s. So really it's about, uh, for some people, it's body image insecurities rather than a, a generalized self-esteem issue. Um, I felt that I had more men who admired me when I was bigger and less attention since I had lost weight and toned up a bit. Uh, well, which is interesting. It depends on how you carried yourself maybe. I it's hard to say why, um, but that's uh, that's interesting. Another texter, uh, another person actually emailed me. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up self-esteem as you did last night because I was just very recently talking about self-esteem with my girlfriend. My girlfriend has a low self-esteem and I wish I knew why, but I'm trying to help her with it, but I'm not exactly sure which steps I should take. We bought some self-esteem books together and we even read them together and I noticed some improvements right away, but that quickly changed. My personal opinion is it stems from her family dynamics, but when I bring that up, she gets defensive. Do you have any suggestions? 
Uh, and to answer your question, yes, I do think self, uh, uh, self-esteem is sexy. And I always imagined myself not being attracted to a woman who was not. But I'm deeply in love with my girlfriend now. So, unfortunately, it's tough for the partner to do anything about it. I'm sure you're very supportive and you give her the compliments or whatever, but self-esteem comes from the inside, not from the outside. So you can be telling her that you think she's beautiful all the time, but if she doesn't believe it herself and doesn't believe in herself in that way, then um, it, it, it won't necessarily change uh, the way she feels. You brought up the fact that you think it has to do with her history, and you are probably right. Uh, low self-esteem comes from somewhere. Uh, so oftentimes, uh, growing up where you don't feel like you're good enough, or you've been criticized a lot, or there's different, I mean, different avenues to get there, uh, different causes. But to find out, uh, the best thing to do is to uh, go to a therapist to deal with. What are the deep-rooted underlying issues that leads her uh, to feel this way? And it's much easier sometimes to talk to someone that who she's not emotionally attached to, like rather than a partner, a, an, an objective uh, person who might be able to uh, to help her. People often listen more to somebody who's on the outside rather than somebody who's on the inside. So I would, if anything, encourage her to, um, to speak to somebody about that. Uh, on the same topic, I'm a 34 year old man with an erection problem. It started since I was in my early twenties. Also, my penis is very small. And is there any way for me to make it bigger? Please help me. I have very low self-esteem about my sexuality. So you can see the impact on sexuality if you perceive yourself to be flawed in some way how are you going to be open sexually or inviting or relaxed in the bedroom it's going to be uh very very difficult so you know you say your penis is very small but but is it is it your perception uh, the average penis is about uh five inches erect which uh, so it can be a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger. Very small would would be like a, a one inch erect penis would be like a considered a, a micro penis. You can be a good lover no matter the size of your penis. It all depends on uh, your attentiveness to your partner, your willingness uh, to uh, pleasure your partner in other ways, orally with your hands. Like you have other body parts that are helpful to women more than a penis would be. So uh, being able to talk about this, uh, being able to learn what a good lover is rather than thinking the, a good lover equals big penis. Like that's not the way it works, um, unfortunately. Uh, when I was chubbier, apparently I looked 10 years younger and more feminine. I used to always hate my full cheeks until I lost them and my face looks longer. You know, I hear you. Um, I hear you and I feel you because uh, this, uh, for me and, and the, my circle of friends, this, we're already in our 50s. 
well into our 50s. And that is exactly what happens when too much weight is lost too fast. The skin falls because it's not as elastic. So it, it falls, it droops, and you can look older. So it's better, I think it's better to have a little more weight on because uh, it fills out the wrinkles, right? So it's like a catch-22 for women. It's like you don't want to be, you don't want to feel overweight, but on the other hand, you don't want to look old. It's like, can we ever win this battle? Stop fighting it. It's like you can't win it, unfortunately. Yeah, you, but you make a, a really good point. Uh, another text writes, my question for tonight, which I don't think I can answer, is why women are so hard to get these days. I'm not even sure what you are referring to. You think women are noncommittal, that they don't want relationships, because I know plenty of women who are out there looking for relationships who will say the same thing. How come men are so hard to pin down? And how come men are so commitment phobic? So I don't know. I'm hearing it on uh, on both sides. I, I think there are plenty of men out there who want relationships like there are women who want relationships. It's a question of finding your match. That's the most important thing. So if anyone wants to contribute to that and, and answer that question, why are women so hard to get these days and why you might be thinking this or anybody might be thinking this, um, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> this text writes, like Elizabeth Taylor said, face or waste. Yeah, you got to pick, I guess. You got to pick. Do you want a thicker waist and a, a, a younger looking face or an older looking face and a thinner waist? Wow, that's really good. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to find a relationship, but I can't, I guess you're about the question why women are so hard to get these days. It's been more than three years and I'm still looking and I'm only, uh, 29 years old. So where are you looking? How are you looking? All of these things matter. I know plenty of women who are even on the dating apps, even though we talked about this last night and it was scary. Like a lot of people are in it just for the sex, but there are plenty of women who don't want it just for the sex who do. And some men who want a relationship. So if you're going to go and use these apps or you're going to create a profile uh, online, for example, on a dating site, make sure you state that you are in fact looking for a long-term relationship that you are a serious guy and this is what you want. So maybe have somebody help you with your profile to see why you're not, uh, why it's not being picked or, or what have you. So then you may want to ask a friend to have a look at it and see if there's something, uh, that you could do, uh, with that. 514-800 if you have any questions for me you still got some time uh, coming up looking at stress and sexual dysfunction a very interesting question about that passion with dr Lori batito on cjad 800 couple of texts uh, on dating uh, just to follow up. So the 29-year-old who said, uh, why are women so hard to get and who hasn't been able to find somebody for three years also says that he's talking about meeting people outside, you know, walking over at a restaurant or in line somewhere. He doesn't believe in online 
stuff. So I'm not sure it's a belief. Like, what do you mean you don't believe in it? It's a thing. It's not a, it's not a religion. It's uh, something that it's an option. It's a, it's a choice and an option for people. But just going up to random people, it might work for some, but um, many times they might be people, women might be creeped out by it. I don't know. But I would suggest then that you get involved in some kind of community activity, whether you take up a class, a course, a dance class, um, go to a regular uh, gym, for example, seeing, you know, taking classes with the same people, you start to get a sense of that community and you can meet people. And then uh, you meet people, you make friends, those friends might have somebody they can fix you up with and so and so. So you, but you have to be out there and you have to be social if this is the way you're going to do it. Uh, but this texter very interestingly says, more of my female friends and I are giving up on the dating sites. And if you go out in public, everyone is looking at their phones, maybe looking for a partner, but often there's more awkwardness because we are becoming more antisocial as we engage more with machines. How right you are uh, with that. Everybody's in their own little world. Go to any coffee shop. Everybody's on their devices, whether it's a computer or phone or something. It's almost like you're not going to interrupt, right? They're busy doing something. So this is why finding um, activities where there is no phone use Taking a dance class, no phone use. Uh, taking some any other any kind of class, for example, or volunteering, or just getting out there in a social setting where there are no phones. Uh, but I I get it. Uh, Texture, it's it's really hard to meet people these days. Everybody's working. True, and uh, oftentimes the place to meet people is in the workplace. More and more people are meeting their significant others in the workplace because they spend so much time in the workplace. So. We do lead a crazy kind of life. Life has, has gotten this way with the machines and with the workloads and with people working crazy hours. Yeah, it's I can absolutely understand how much more difficult it is. Maybe that's why the age of marriage is so much later now than it ever was. Here's an interesting question that people might want to respond to. I'm 31, married for almost nine years we have three kids and we have a very good relationship. However, in the last year, my wife gained some weight and I feel that she's not so attractive anymore and I don't get excited to have sex with her. I started watching porn and thinking all the time of having sex with younger girls. Is there anything I can do to get back to enjoy sex with my wife? Now, just a couple of things here. I hope you mean younger women and not girls. Uh, so uh, what you see in porn <laughs> are younger bodies, usually pretty perfect bodies, and I just hope you're not expecting your wife to uh, to have the body of, uh, of a porn star. So that would be completely unrealistic. But having said that, I think it's fair uh, to have a conversation with your wife, but also encouraging. In other words, encourage her to uh, be active with you. Um, like you want to support 
her efforts, uh, I don't know if she's making any efforts, but let's assume uh, she is, to support those efforts and maybe start doing activities more frequently together. It's more difficult when you have three little kids and she might be really busy and maybe not taking care of herself. You might want to give her time for herself, the gift of time, like say, hey, you know, if you want to go to to classes like yoga classes or exercise classes a few times a week, I'll take care of the kids. No problem. It's your time. Uh, go ahead. But having said that, I mean, look, I know it doesn't it doesn't sound nice, but there is. I think we do have a responsibility to our partners to take care of ourselves. I think that's important and you feel how you feel uh, and your attraction is less. So I'm not going to uh, judge you on that. But what you do with that is is important. You're thinking of having sex with younger women, but I, I'm thinking what happens when your wife is not 31, but 51? and uh age and she starts to age and she will have an even less perfect body and more wrinkles uh, what then right so somewhere uh, monogamy uh, is a choice that you make and you stick with that choice so that it doesn't create infidelities which would destroy your partner destroy your relationship etc. Unless you can, you make an, uh, some kind of uh, arrangement with your wife where there's a, a consensual non-monogamy clause uh, in your marriage, but uh, I, I'm not sure that's where uh, you're heading with that. Another text writes, many people, including popular celebrities, suffer from body image issues. However, clearly personal conduct and composure can nevertheless be controlled. Given I've suffered from body image issues all my life, despite always having been very popular amongst both men and women of all ages all my life, and still receive constant compliments today at 55, including on my carrying myself confidently. So clearly, although we all possess emotional insecurities, we do nevertheless still have some degree of control as to whether we choose to either advertise them or keep them in check, thereby maintaining our dignity and integrity nonetheless. Uh, wow, that's, uh, that's really well said. That's really, really uh, well said. Hmm. Uh, text writes, uh, me and my wife love your shows. Can you say hi to Bob? Hi, Bob. Thank you very much. Uh, that's very kind of you uh, to say. Um, why are you assuming that he needs to go to the gym? What if he's already in shape, showing your bias? Um, I'm saying to include his wife. He's complaining about his wife having gained weight. I'm not making any assumptions that he needs to go anywhere. I'm just saying he might want to encourage her to be active with him. So, or you're right. Maybe he's a couch potato. I, I, I don't know. I'm only going on, you know, some, some little bits of, uh, of information. Uh, I guess I'll start tomorrow with, uh, the question about stress. Uh, so I apologize if I didn't get to it. Uh, too many texts came in at the last minute, but wonderful, uh, hearing from all of you and, uh, wonderful to get your questions and I'm always happy to answer them. Remember, you can send them to me, uh, by email to laurie at 
www.thepowerofthenews.com. Thanks so much for spending your precious time with me. And, of course, thank you to our uh, wonderful technical producer, Brian Kalisar. You can connect with me also on social media at Dr. Lori Petito. That's spelled D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O. Or to my website, drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Is the answer. So go-